Every fall for one weekend, our backyard is filled with hundreds of riders ranging from juniors to weekend warriors to the top riders from all over the world. Thousands come to Waterloo, Wisconsin over a four-day span to witness the Trek CX Cup and are greeted with cowbells, people in costumes, a world-class course, food, beer, and one hell of a good time. Not to mention the 8 to 10 million across the globe that are watching on TV on Sunday. But the Trek CX Cup that started in 2017 is more than just a weekend where our headquarters gets turned into a cycling mecca and quite the party. It is something that's been instrumental in getting more people on bikes, setting a standard of equal pay between men and women professional riders, and exposing more people in the US to a very European dominated aspect of cycling. Welcome to this episode of the Better With Bikes podcast. I'm Richie Burke, joined as usual by my co-host Eric Bjorling and Chad Brown, who happens to be our CFO at Trek and the proud founder of the Waterloo Hockey Club, who was nice enough to stop by before riding in this year's CX Cup. Also, just to forewarn you, we did record this live from a Shasta trailer in the middle of the course, so you will hear some of the ambiance of the race, but the audio did turn out better than expected. So a big thank you to producer Gabe, IT guru Ryan Bodge, and the rest of our team. Before we get into the significance of the CX Cup, let's start with a 101 of what Cyclocross is. Here's Chad Brown. Cyclocross is a uh, primarily late fall winter discipline um, run on a closed course. Uh, and it's sort of like a cross between a mountain bike race and a road race. You'll do a certain amount of laps on a drop bar bike. So it looks like a road bike with maybe like gravelish kind of tires. And you'll go in a loop somewhere between 45 and 60 minutes long. And while you're riding off road in this closed course, there'll be barriers and obstacles to go over and around. Um, and it's a it's sort of a fun, alternative, weird cycling sport that uh, was founded, I don't know, maybe mid-century uh, in Central Europe uh, as a way for road riders in the summer to keep some fitness and have some fun in the winter. And so it's literally riding around in fields, going over barriers, and uh, taking the occasional hand up. And, so, and that's the competition side. Talk, talk about a little bit about like the crowd side, because it's got its own culture and its own vibe. Yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, to, to me, cyclocross has always been super inclusive, super fun, more focused on the fun than the competitive side. Uh, when you look at the average cross course, you're going out there and there's always a, a, a feature or two that will sort of bring the course its personality. And they'll just be crowds of people around that feature. And they'll be, you know, bacon hand ups, dollar bill hand ups, gummy war hand ups. I've taken Twinkie hand ups multiple times. Um, and it's it's meant to I mean, at least in North America, it's more of a party fun atmosphere uh, because again, it's like, it's, it's in the, most of us, it's, it's the off season for other sports. And this is, you know, this is, this is the winter activity for cyclists. It started out as a really small thing, Chad. Talk a little bit about like the history of, of this particular event. Yeah. So it, and, and the thing is that the origins of this event predate even Trek to some level. Uh, there's what was a USGP back in the, the late 2000s, you know, 2006, 2009, that era. Uh, over in Sun Prairie, and uh, a fantastic local organizing group 
ran that race, brought it to life, got it all the way up to a GP level race. And then, you know, 2011, 2012 happened and we hired Matt Shriver and Scott Dobear, you know, legend at Trek as well. And a few people sort of put one and one together and we're like, you know, Katie's racing for us again. And like, we were like, we should bring, we should bring that race over in Sun Prairie to the back of the factory. And I think it was, you know, Shriver and Dobear that had the vision for like, we could run this race in our backyard. And so we ran it as the Trek CXC Cup for four or five years. Uh, and then it's grown into something much larger. But the roots of it, you know, Midwest Madison cyclocross uh, ha- has grown from that. And I think that's the the great thing is that this race, its origins, if you actually go back to the beginning, you know, at some it's going to be pushing 20 years from its original origins in Sun Prairie to where we are now. Mm-hmm. And when you say backyard, that's not hyperbole. We are literally <laughs> in the backyard. We're about 20 feet or so from the front door. For sure. Uh, I mean, to the point that, like, you'll be riding on parts of the course past the back of the manufacturing facility. Uh, Factory Hill actually backs up now to the newly remodeled gym that the uh, that the team has here. Uh, and it's, it's a part of, uh, when you drive into the parking lot in the morning, you see the red barn flyover and a few of the cows from the parking lot. So it is a permanent fixture here and it's, it's, it's a part of the truck culture. And why don't you talk about the, the race in general, it's here for several days, a lot of different levels and it's a UCI World Cup event. We got people from all over the world coming to Waterloo, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's, so it, it's really one of the big differences too between Europe World Cups uh, and US World Cups is that the primary function of this weekend is to give amateurs and like weekend warriors a chance to ride on a World Cup course and to have a great event where something like 2,700 race entries will happen this weekend and they'll get a chance to race. And then on Sunday, the World Cup race will have where the best riders in the world will come and there'll be, you know, 40 to 50 men and women racing their respective races and they'll they'll race at the absolute highest level on the same course, more or less, that we get to ride as amateurs. And so I think that's the that's the fun thing is that starting on Thursday night, you know, there's a there's a pre-ride party all day Friday. A bunch of kids out here skipping school, right? Being truant for the cause of cyclocross. And uh, and we'll we'll have amateur racing all day today, all day Saturday, half the day Sunday. Then on Sunday, the actual main event will happen. And somewhere over the course of um, while the broadcast is going on, like 8 million people around the world will see the race. And that's a phenomenal thing to have in your backyard. Yeah, And it's, I mean, to give a sense of like a, a scale of cyclocross in other countries, if you're listening to this in the United States, this is being broadcast in primetime Sunday night. This is Sunday night football in yeah. Belgium. This is, this, this is that, that's that kind of scale. And I think, you know, you touched on kind of an interesting thing about cyclocross is sort of this idea that that there's no there's very little separation between amateurs and pros other than obviously the times that they're going to be riding and, and and how fast they can do this but it's like going on to a professional football field and throwing the ball around yeah. as well as you can do it and see what you can do imagine if we got to like go on lambo before the packers went out right. and play like a flag football game before the packers went out mm-hmm. that's basically what we get to do here are mm-hmm. you taking batting practice at yankee stadium mm-hmm. like that's what we get to do here and I think that's also one of the great things about cycling. It's not just cross, but like cycling in general, we can ride the same roads. We can, you know, do the same climbs. And it's just sort of fun to see how how, how uh, 
dramatically different our times are versus uh, the pros. And it's like, if you've ever climbed Alpe d'Huez or ridden up the Koppenberg and you see what the pros do it in versus what the average Joe does, uh, that's one of the fun things about this is that we'll see our times on Sunday and uh, we're not even in the same world. Like most sports, professional cycling has had a long history of unequal pay between men and women athletes. One of the things we are most proud of when it comes to the Trek CX Cup is how we took a stand for equal pay that has had a ripple effect across the landscape of professional cycling since. I think it's important to acknowledge all of the work that had been done before we were able to do what we did. Uh, Helen Wyman uh, was really a champion of this for a long time. Katie Compton, a lot of people were really working on normalizing an equal pay for a long time. Uh, and there had been, I'd say, uh, there had been real progress made. Uh, but the fact remained that when we put our application in for a World Cup, it was still, you know, I think $5,300 or 5,300 euros for the men to win and like 1400 for uh, the women. And so when we put our application in, you know, when we went and talked to JB, we're like, hey, you know, he was like, you guys were doing a World Cup. So we're like, great, let's do it. When we put our application in, we're like, hey, you know, JB, like we're we're doing this. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. We're doing it. And so you put our application in and we said, listen, we're, it's our intention to pay the men and women equally at the end of the race. And it's our hope that other races will follow. And so 2017 came around um, and you know, the UCI was sort of like, well, OK, you can do what you want, but it's not required. And uh, we're like, OK, well, we would really like to set an example here. And so um you know, the, the race came and uh, Vanderpool and Sonicant won. And we got a, this great iconic picture of them on stage holding these big checks to sort of send the message like we're going to make uh, we're going to make an issue of this because we want other races to follow. And it took a few years, uh, but I think it was shortly after that that there was enough momentum and enough other great work being done that we were just one more piece in the puzzle that I think in 2020, 2021, uh, the UCI made it mandatory that there would be equal prize money. And I think we're really proud that we were the first to do it. And I think for us, it's just like at Trek, what's the right thing to do? What's the right move to do? We are always challenged to think bigger than the barn, to uh, to do the right thing. Just do the right thing. We're always thinking in the long term around here. And if we were going to host a World Cup, we were going to help change the game. And like, it's important to like, up until that point, C1, C2 races that we had held, we'd always paid equal to. Other people, I think, had done that as well. But we, I think, helped move the ball forward even further. And now it's a non-issue. And that's sort of what you can hope to do is you keep pushing, you keep pushing, and you do the right thing and you get some change. To further illustrate this, I want to pull a soundbite from episode six of the Better With Bikes podcast from back in 2019 when professional cyclist Ellen Noble, who actually finished first on the podium at our first CX Cup in 2017, was on the podcast. Yeah, it was it was huge for me. I was one of one of the lucky ones um, in 2017 and in 2018 to really like firsthand benefit from that and just it sends a message that like, you know, women, many generations before me in this sport have suffered for a lot less, like for a very long time, it wasn't a viable career option. Um, and it certainly like, wasn't easy to just live, uh, live off of race winnings. Um, 
but it really sends that message that those promoters and those people behind the scenes see that and see that people have, you know, kind of stuck around for a long time and, and they're starting to try to make that right. And it's just, it's really appreciated. And it, um, yeah, it just feels like the sport is, has come such a long way and it's kind of crazy to think of where it will be in just in a few years from now. It's rare that a race like this could be created in the town of Waterloo, Wisconsin, with millions of eyes on it live. So what was the vision behind this event? How did it happen? Uh, I think it was 2015, Cross Vegas happened. That was the first U.S. World Cup. It was attached to Interbike. Uh, and then in 20... And that, that went for a couple of years. And Jingle had... Uh, one in 2016. And while our race was preceding Jingle Cross in 2016, uh, in our backyard here, uh, we had started sponsoring uh, Sven and his team, Sven Ness and his team, you know, the the goat of uh, cyclocross. And he, we were sitting at the end of the uh, pro race, just sort of doing a recap. And Scott Dobear and Sven were sitting there sort of humoring me that I could stand there with him and have a little conversation. And Sven just sort of looked over at us. He's like, you know, this could be a World Cup, guys. We're like, what? Well, yeah, but like this is just this Midwestern farm field in our backyard of Vector. He goes, no. And he sort of walked us through it. He's like, if you look at the features, you look at the, 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 the elevation change, you look at the technical aspects. If we just changed a couple of things, this would be a legit World Cup course. And like, let me know how I can help make that happen. We sort of looked at each other like okay, let's do that. And so I think it was actually Sven who pushed us to be like bigger than the barn. Um, what's the next thing? And when we, we, we scoped it out, we looked at the application and then, uh, we put our bid in and, uh, you know, we're six years later now. And now, uh, you know, we're the longest consecutive running U S world cup. And I don't see us slowing down anytime soon. What does this event do for the culture of the company, because this has become such a seminal moment in the calendar every single year that everybody yeah. looks forward to. You know, we're at we're doing the pre-ride party last night. I mean, that's just it's just become such a part of the experience of being part of the family. Um, but talk a little bit about like what it does for the overall culture. Yeah, well, I we, we sometimes say, you know, we're a hospitality company that sells bikes. And I think this is sort of the perfect example of that is that. We're here to make products we love, provide incredible hospitality, and change the world by getting more people on bikes. And to be honest, like this event is like the Venn diagram of those three things is a circle here. It's like people love coming here because it's it's a fun event. The product that we put out here is world class. There's hospitality everywhere. There's so many little surprise and delight moments as you walk through the course. And then we're just get help getting people on bikes. I mean, the amount of kids coming into the uh, junior racers here and the size of the women's fields every year, growing, growing, growing. It's like, that's just us doing our part, right? Like being a good corporate citizen, being a good business uh, to live out our mission and our values. And I think from an employee standpoint, who doesn't love this weekend, right? Like you, they're the, the secret bar, all the, uh, even the volunteering of like hanging banners and driving in stakes for, for fencing and that, you know, there'll be 400 employees that volunteer over the weekend and they're all going to be really happy with a big smile on their face because this is us showing off and welcoming like the broader cycling family uh, into our, you know, literal backyard. Chad, you brought up the secret bar. For our listeners out there who are curious, what is the secret bar? So my favorite thing about the secret bar was 
Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of a stickler for the details, right? Mm -hmm. And early on, I was heavily involved in the planning of the first year of the race. And he says like, like it was only one year he was involved with the planning. No, but like the, the first year, like there, there's a level of tight, like, yeah. uh, like a, like we're, we're opening ourselves up to the mm -hmm. world here. Yeah. And that first year, like we were driving hard and the, and the work that the team did to go from, you know, our amateur race to a world cup race, you know, in that year, it was huge. And I remember like we, we were out bannering and putting up fence and I see, uh, Anders, one of our, one of, one of our friends here walking with a, a chainsaw and gasoline, like back through the course. I'm like, why would he need gasoline and a chainsaw? And then I saw another person like wheeling out a bunch of axes and a bunch of extra lumber. And then I saw someone like carrying a disco ball. I'm like, what is going on back there? And like, this is like a Thursday afternoon. And like, I went out and pre-rode the course and I literally walked up and saw like a construction crew building the secret bar. I'm like, what is going on here? They're like, well, that's a secret and we were told not to tell you. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to ask any questions. I trust you guys and I will see you uh, tonight. And it was, it, you know, it was like Katie Stoidel and Ted Alsop and a whole bunch of really fun, creative Trek people that knew that they could bring a surprise and delight moment. And I think that's the great thing about Trek culture is that like the secret bar back there, uh, you know, it's not on any maps. You're going to have to find it yourself. It's a little bit tricky to get to. But again, there's going to be uh, free beer and soft drinks back there for everyone to enjoy. There's going to be great music and it is going to be the most fun part at the course if you can find it. And uh, I, and I think I, I just love again like the 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 uh, initiative and creative uh, liberty that we give our team around here to if it's going to be fun and people are going to enjoy it and it's going to uh, like amplify and multiply the experience, go for it. Speaking of throwing the best parties, what do, what do you hope that anyone who comes here this weekend, whether it's a fan or a rider, walks away with? Uh, you know, the, the world's a tough place sometimes, right? And if we can just give someone a good couple hours, like getting out of the real world and come and get your picture taken with some cows and have some smiles back at the secret bar and just provide a great experience. I, I think that that that's enough, you know, like we're this, I, I can promise you as the, uh, the CFO here, this is not a moneymaker for us. Uh, but it's something that I think we view as a long-term investment. And anyone that's interested in seeing like what it's like to work at Trek, we actually have a whole career fair here going on too. We, when you walk in to pick up your race number, there's a little booth with our HR team. Like maybe you want to come out and network and think about working at Trek. Maybe you want to come out and just have a beer at the secret bar. Maybe you want to come and legit watch the world's best cross racers that only come to the U.S. once, twice a year. And so I think if we can just provide some hospitality and a great experience, then job done. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Better With Bikes podcast. And if you are one of the thousands of people who made it to this year's CX Cup or one of the millions who watched it on TV, big thank you from all of us here at Trek. If you're enjoying the Better With Bikes podcast, please subscribe or follow wherever you're listening and share with your friends. That helps us get more ears on these episodes. And until next time, ride bikes, have fun, feel good.